If you ever want a dose of honest truth, if you ever want a dose of reality, look no further than Charlie Brown. Yeah, I said it, Charlie Brown. Because it's in Charlie Brown that we find a very honest person, probably way more honest than you or me. In fact, in Charlie Brown's Christmas story, there's that scene, you might recall it if you've seen the movie, where Charlie Brown is lamenting to Linus. And listen to what he says. I think there must be something wrong with me, Linus. Christmas is coming, but I'm not happy. I don't feel the way I'm supposed to feel. I just don't understand Christmas, I guess. I like getting presents and sending Christmas cards and decorating trees and all that. But I'm still not happy. I always end up feeling depressed. How honest and how true. You see, there was something that Charlie Brown was recognizing, not just about Christmas, but if he was really honest and if we're really honest with ourselves, he was recognizing something not just about the Christmas story and not just about the season of Christmas, but he was recognizing and admitting that there is something to this whole thing called life that just doesn't seem right, that just doesn't seem normal, that just seems like there's something that's missing. And if we're all honest with ourselves, we would resonate with Charlie Brown. Because ever since the garden, ever since Genesis chapter 3, ever since we said we don't need God, and sin has entered into the world, and chaos and confusion has consumed our lives, ever since we have been separated from the presence of God, there has always been something missing. Whether you realize it or not, We live our lives with the heaviness of the burden of feeling like there's got to be something more to life. There has to be something more than all of this. And I don't even know what it is. I just know it's got to be more than this. We live in a world that is broken. Our lives are broken. Our homes are broken. Our relationships are broken. Our churches are broken. Our News is broken. Our history is a history of broken people living in a broken world. And we wonder why we go through this life restless going, there must be something more. There must be something I'm missing. And the reality is from the moment we've been separated from God, from the moment we've been separated from the presence of God, we have been missing everything. But in the midst of the brokenness, In the midst of the brokenness of this world, in the midst of the brokenness of your life, there is hope. And we read about that hope this morning in John chapter 1. You see, the hope is this, that in the midst of the brokenness of this world, in the midst of the brokenness of your life, in the midst of your restlessness, trying to figure out what is that thing that I'm missing, God intervenes and he comes into this world and he comes into this life and he comes into your life at Christmas time and he says, there is hope. And we read about the coming of God, and we read about the coming of God as a child. It's the promise of what we know as incarnation, God becoming flesh. It's the very promise that God one day, through Jesus Christ, would be present with us again. And for the time that we have this morning, for the sake of time, I want us to just look at one verse mainly, because I think it's the verse that changes everything. 
And it's verse 14. C.S. Lewis said that verse 14, this idea that God became flesh, that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, C.S. Lewis said that this verse is like the missing chapter of your life. Imagine reading a book and it's missing a chapter, and the book doesn't make sense, but then you're giving this, given this missing chapter, and now you go, now it all comes together. Well, that's how life is like. We're separated from God. We're missing something. We're restless people, not content in life, longing for something more, longing for something else, don't know how God is going to rescue us, don't know how God is going to make all this thing, all this thing known as life make sense, but when we read verse 14, we begin to see the pieces come together and we go, God is going to do that? And that's what I want us to look at this morning. I want us to look at the promise of his presence and what it tells us about the Christmas story. So let's look at verse 14 together. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's all I want us to look at this morning because I think it tells us two things that are so significant about the presence of God and so relevant to you this morning. The first thing is this, only by entering the brokenness can God become like us. What do I mean by that? Only by entering the brokenness can God become like us. When it says that the word became flesh, what does that tell us? It tells us that God did not turn his back on the world. God could have looked down at the mess and could have went, you know what? It's too messy. I'm just going to start over. I'm going to start something new. No, he looks at the mess. He looks at the brokenness of the world. He looks at the brokenness of our lives. And he goes, no, I am coming in. I am entering the brokenness. Why? In order to become like us. It says that God became flesh. You see, the miracle of Christmas is not that God came as a 30-year-old man, but that God came in the flesh as a baby. A helpless baby. Think of a baby. A baby that cannot even lift its head. A baby that cannot walk. A baby that cannot talk. A baby that cannot crawl. A baby that is totally and utterly dependent. Helpless. You say, why is that significant? Because in order for God to rescue you, in order for God to be the perfect representative, in order for God to sacrifice himself perfectly for you and to become your perfect substitute, God had to come in the flesh exactly as you came in the flesh. He had to come into this world exactly as you came into this world. He had to experience all of life just as you experienced life. I asked you this morning, have you ever been rejected? He has. Have you ever been homeless? He has. Have you ever been made fun of? He has. Have you ever cried? He has. Have you ever been isolated? He has. Have you ever suffered? He has. Have you ever faced death? He has and even took it on himself. So that you would never have to go through life wondering, does my God, does that God understand what I'm going through? 
You see, we have a God this morning through the Christmas story, through the reality that God became man in the flesh as a baby that we can pray to, sing to, talk to, shout at, disagree with. But the reality is this. We have a God that has experienced everything that we have experienced so that he can look down and empathize with his people, that he can empathize with you this morning, that he can be your perfect substitute and your perfect righteousness and your perfect representative. He took it all on for you so that he could become like you. He comes down to rescue. It's the only religion in the world. It's the only philosophy in the world. It's the only thought pattern in this world where it's God, where it's supreme being would actually come down to rescue his people that we would not have to go up, but that he would come down to become like us. The word became flesh. Only by entering the brokenness can he become like us in the flesh. I don't know about you, but that's a God I can trust. That's a God I can believe in. But not only does verse 14 tell us about God entering into the brokenness in order to become like us, it also tells us that he, only by entering into the brokenness of this world and the brokenness of our lives, that we can once again be reunited to God. Only by entering the brokenness can we be once again reunited to God. Really? How? It says in verse 14 that not only did the word become flesh, but it says and dwelt among us. The literal word there for dwelt means tabernacle. What's a tabernacle? A tabernacle was the place in the Old Testament where man could meet God, where we could meet God. It was a place where man and God could be reconciled to one another, where they could meet and experience one another. It's a place where we could go, where the people in the Old Testament could go and meet and experience and encounter the presence of God. The problem was it was required sacrifice. It required the constant burden of continual sacrifice in order to gain the presence of God. So when John 1.14 tells us here that God dwelt among us, he tabernacled among us, it tells us the good news that Jesus once and for all became the permanent tabernacle. He literally became the place. He became the means. He became the one that will allow God and man to be reunited Permanently, not based on the burden of your sacrifice, but on the burden of his sacrifice. Not by your effort, but by his effort. We can now be reunited to God. You see, the presence of God announces this morning that not only does he come and becomes like us, feeling our pain and feeling our trials and feeling our suffering, but that he actually comes so that we can once and for all be reconciled and reunited to God. You might remember a few years back there was that Publix commercial at Christmas, and it was about a a medical resident, and he was working on Christmas Day, and he was apart from his family. And he wasn't with them on Christmas Day. They were on the other side of the country. And it, and it shows him all by himself working in the hospital 
lonely, depressed. He calls his family on the phone and he can hear them talking and celebrating and celebrating Christmas together and it only makes him more depressed. It only makes him long to be home even more. And at the end of the day, he shuts off the lights at the hospital and he's all alone and he walks through the parking lot and he's all alone and he goes on the bus and he's all alone and he goes up the stairs to his apartment and he's all alone and what happens? He puts the key in the door and the door swings open and there's his family sitting at the dinner table, welcoming him home, reunited. It's what we long for. We long to be reunited. We long to be reconciled. We long to be home. And the announcement of God's presence at Christmas coming as the person of Jesus Christ is that he allows us to come home. He allows us to be reconciled and reunited to the very God that we have been separated from. But you know what's really amazing? Not only does he become like us, not only does he allow us to be reconciled and reunited to God, the great promise is written here in verse 12, that through all of this, we come full circle. What does it say? It says in verse 12, but to all who receive him, all who believe in his name, he gives the right, he gives the right to become children of God. Adam and Eve, the original children of God who were estranged from their father, separated from the presence of God, losing the rights and the privileges of the children of God, longing for one that would rescue them is here. The one that brings us full circle and not only allows us to experience the presence of God, but through experiencing the presence of God, verse 12 tells us this incredible news that simply by believing in his name, we can be called children of God with all of the rights and all of the privileges Not something we earn, not something we deserved, not by our right, but by the right of the one who came to die for you, by the right of the one who's come to be your substitute, simply by believing. See, this is the gospel of Emmanuel. This is the good news of Christmas that God in the person of Jesus Christ comes and brings us back to the Father. He brings us back to the Father. True story I heard a few weeks ago was the story of a girl by the name of Alexandra Stevenson. If you follow tennis, you might recognize that name, Alexandra Stevenson. She's a tennis professional and I think even a few years back made it to the semifinals of Wimbledon. But Alexandra Stevenson's also known as the daughter of Julius Irving. Julius Irving, Dr. J, the Hall of Fame basketball player for the Philadelphia 76ers back in the 1980s. And it was actually in 1980 that Julius Irving, this Hall of Fame basketball player, had an illicit relationship with a reporter. And they gave birth to Alexandra Stevenson. Well, needless to say, the wife of Julius Irving wasn't too happy. 
And they arranged with the attorneys for all of Alexandra's needs to be taken care of. But Julius Irving was never to see his daughter. He was never to have a relationship with her. No visits, no holidays, not even a phone call. Julius Irving ended up residing in Philadelphia and Alexandra Stevenson resided in California. An entire continent apart. And when Alexandra Stevenson was eight years old, word came that Dr. J was coming to town to do a basketball camp. And Julius Irving came and conducted a basketball camp, and Alexandra Stevenson asked her mom, could I please go? Maybe I could actually meet my father for the first time. And Alexandra Stevenson goes to the camp, and it's on the last day of the camp that one of the instructors takes Alexandra by the hand and says, we're going to go meet him, and you're going to get his autograph. And Alexander Stevenson, you can imagine, stands before her father for the first time. And you can imagine the reaction when Julius Irving looks down and he sees the name tag. It's his daughter. But instead of embracing her, he brushes her off. He signs the basketball, hands it back to her, and just moves on. Alexander Stevenson took that ball, broke into tears, and ran all the way home. Alexandra spent four hours in her bedroom that day with that basketball and then put it up on the shelf in her closet in the furthest corner, never to see it again. Fast forward 20 years later. Alexandra's 28 years old, getting ready to go to the Australian Open. And her mom is helping her pack, but in the midst of packing, her mom's also helping her clean out her room. And she looks up, and what does she see? She sees the basketball. And she takes down the basketball, and she realizes this is the basketball that Julius Irving signed for his daughter. But it just didn't have his autograph on it. She looked at it closer and realized that on that day, 20 years ago, that little eight-year-old girl added these words. Above the autograph, she wrote, Alexandra loves. And below the autograph, she wrote, loves Alexandra. So that the ball would now read, Alexandra loves Julius Irving. And Julius Irving loves Alexandra. She missed him. She longed for her dad. And so do you. We all need a dad. And you long for him. It's the thing that is missing in your life, and you don't even realize it. We are about to serve a community today because we have been so radically been served by God through Jesus Christ. The reality is we, this morning, are lost. We have been abandoned. We have been separated from the presence of God and you don't even realize it. And you will forever be restless. You will forever be wondering, what is that thing that I'm missing in my life until you simply give up like a helpless baby and say, only God, only God can rescue me. Through Jesus, you can know this God this morning. Through Jesus, you can know your Father. 
be reunited with him. The one that you were separated from through Jesus brings you back. The promise of Christmas, it's this. God became a child of this world so that you could become a child of God.